This episode is sponsored by Peak Sales Recruiting. If you need to make a critical hire and you're tired of digging through bad resumes that don't cut it, then visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian to learn more. My guest this week is Kelsey Ramsden. Now, Kelsey has been named Canada's top female entrepreneur two years running. She's an author, an international speaker, and co-CEO wingman to some of the most ambitious leaders on the planet. And Kelsey understands that even the best leaders can stall. And so we're going to talk specifically about the biggest challenges that people face when they feel like they've stalled. We're going to talk about the mindset that helps you get past that, some of the ways that people cope with that stalling, and specific approaches you can take to keep you and your team energized going forward. It's really a lot of fun. I enjoyed speaking with Kelsey, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy the episode too. Kelsey, welcome to the show. Hey, and thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here. So before we dive into our topics today, could you share something surprising that our audience may not know about you? I will share something surprising and embarrassing. How about we double double team it? All right, but it, say, it is uh, only an audio podcast, so just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't see me doing it, so I guess there is no social proof, but I um. I think I might be one of the the only like 40-year-old mothers of three who can still do the worm. Do you remember the worm? Oh, I remember the worm. Oh, yeah. Remember the worm? We're going to have to link up video to, to the worm on the show notes now. <laughs> People think I'm so serious and, and, uh, and hardcore all the time, but I do break out the worm on occasion. Yeah, well, you know what? Someone's got to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a whole movement, people raising money because I guess the worm wasn't prevalent enough and i'm just glad to see that you're bringing it back <laughs> it does start a party i can tell you that that's awesome so surprisingly it's not because of your expertise and prowess in the worm but more <laughs> your ability to help people in this area where they've had great success and maybe things have kind of stalled for them right um which which ties into your book surviving your success so what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to that time when their success kind of stalls? So I'm going to ask everyone to imagine this, okay? So we go about our lives kind of acquiring knowledge and insight and, and these different levels of things that we stage up. And, and one fine day, those of us who've done a decent job of it, amassing knowledge and experience – become successful in whatever it is that we do. So whether you're an artist or you're an entrepreneur or whatever the case may be, an educator, comedian, and we get to this place and we think we're doing pretty well. Uh, and after some time, this heightened level of success actually becomes our new baseline of mediocre for ourselves, because those of us who get there are driven people. And so even though the world thinks we're killing it and everyone's going, it's so amazing, some way, somehow, over time, we ourselves feel like we're we're dulling out. We're kind of in this default, neutral zone. Sure. But we could still be doing all the same great things we were always doing, right? But our drive or our, our kind of, we become very acclimatized to this level of success. And over time, uh, it just dulls our edge. But the challenge is, is when we're in that place, we feel terrible. The world thinks we're amazing and there's this disconnection. And it's not very popular to be like, oh, I'm just killing it. Everyone thinks I am, but I feel really pretty crummy. Like nobody talks about that. 
does this tie into imposter syndrome where people think, man, I'm not worthy. All these people think I'm at this level. A little bit because so here's what happens is we believe we're at the level at the start. Right. So let, let's use a concrete example. I'll throw myself under the bus. So um, I won this award to be uh, named Canada's top female entrepreneur. It was lovely and amazing. And when I won it, I was like, that's fabulous. I love this. This is great. Uh, I'm really doing well. And then within about six months, I was like, well, how do I, what is my act to? How do I follow that? You know, how the heck do I, do I do Kelsey 2.0 when I just knock that one out of the park? And then you start to question, well, how did I do that in the, in the first place? How do I replicate that? Because I've kind of gone into this neutral place where I'm, I'm a success, but I'm just doing all the same things I always did. Now what? And so there is a bit of imposture in there, I think, in that we start to question our own abilities and our ability to adapt and transform and create, which is what we did in the beginning to become successful. But we're so far distant from that at this point that it's hard to remember, well, how, oh, my God, and you almost start to feel dead. You know, a lot of people I talk to, they're like, I just want to be alive again. I want to feel alive. I'm just showing up, you know? Is the challenge of, in essence, people thinking, okay, well, so now I attain this goal. And mm. then do they feel, well, now I don't have a goal? Or do they feel that, well, gee, I got there. And then do they start self-doubting and thinking, well, maybe I didn't deserve to get there? Or, you know, gee, I got there, but would I still earn that position today? I mean, what what tends to be going on in people's heads? Well, what tends to be going on is these people tend to be natural drivers and ambitious people. So they're thinking about, I want to do this again. I want to feel the rush of the win. I want to be in pursuit. I want to have that like, you know, perspiring, salivating, heart pumping moment. But how do I recreate that when I'm already way up here at the top? Yep. You know, I mean, it sounds like you understand that. As a speaker, early on, I would be glued to what the smile sheets or eval form said. And right. then you get recognized in places as, oh, Ian's one of the top speakers in this category or that category. Or, gee, you know, of the 300 speakers in the event, he was in the you know top. 2% of you know whatever it is, something ridiculous. It's like very flattering. Yes. And then I could easily get to the point where within two months, I'm thinking to myself, man, am I any good at this anymore? Of course. Like maybe I suck at this. And then, and you're not looking at, at feedback or anything else. And for me, it became a matter of, okay, I want to pick one or two things at each event that I focus on that I can see and say, yep, I accomplished that, so I can feel good about this regardless of anything else. And it's funny. I still get cranky if there are a 1,000 people in the audience and one person said, yeah, I didn't really like it. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, well, two things go through my head. First is, man, I can't believe I let this person down. Mm -hmm. And then I think to myself, where is he? <laughs> where right. is that guy? I want to talk to that guy. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think part of it, too, is that so some people will will kind of there are different segments. So some people will say, well, I feel like I'm just a I'm just a success junkie. I just need to be told I'm good all the time. Some people will say, well, I feel like I need to be making more and more money and acquiring more things all the time. Some, you know, and there so there are all these kind of sub segments. But when we do the why, 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 why and ask that question so many times, the the kind of uniform principle that's behind almost all of this is not. 
those surface things, those are really just the uh, result of what these people are is they're actually um, challenge junkies, you know, yep. for you with that person, it's how do I serve you? That's a challenge. Yep. You know, I'm serving all these other guys. That's not challenging me anymore. I've got my, I've got my thing. I know, I know 98% of what works, but it's 2%, you know, and for those of us who are wired that way, that 2% might as well be 200 because yep. it's the most important part. Sure. And so it's not necessarily that we need to be told, yeah, and you killed it. Every single person gave you a 10 out of 10. It's you want to make sure you serve that one person yep. who, who wasn't quite there. And so it's because we are challenge junkies. And so when we get to these places of success and things stop becoming challenging in the same way that they were when we were grinding it hard and building it. And that's why I often say surviving your success is oftentimes equally, if not harder than creating it in the first place. Yeah, you know what? I can, I can see that. I think that's totally it. It's a matter of thinking of it. I know you speak as well. Initially, I remember I was, I was speaking to a fellow speaker of mine, and I said, you know, I, I speak at a lot of these events where it's 500 people, 800 people, 1,000 people, but I'm, you know, I haven't really done any of these events where it's 15,000 people. So, man, I really want to do those. And he said, well, why? Why? <laughs> and, and I said, I don't know. I guess just ego. And he goes, that's refreshing honesty. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, you know, in hindsight, and it's funny because I was thinking, man, I, I want to do more of these like short keynotes to huge audiences. And he asked me, he said, do you have a greater impact when you spend 45 minutes with an audience or when they spend three hours or four hours with you? I said, oh, when it's three or four hours, I can change their life. And he said, so why do you want to do more of the other ones? And it was like, and this is a fellow speaker, a good friend of mine. And it was like, oh, man, you're hitting me hard. Like, but, <laughs> but it was having that realization that said, okay, I'm doing this to check some internal box for myself of a different challenge that really doesn't matter and honestly isn't aligned with the best value I have for the people I speak to. Well, it totally. And the other thing, Ian, is that then you go and do the 15,000 person venue and you come off and it feels like a one night stand. You're like, me, that was good. But how do you get higher? Yeah. How do I how do I get the fix again? When really the thing that you're hungry for and yearning for not to go like too woo here, but it's it's changing people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Totally. So oh, yeah. you're going to you're going to get more good juice, more longevity, more great kind of interesting um, life out of doing the 300 person half day than you are the 10 minutes in front of 15,000. Although, you know, that's a good piece of press, but do it once, Yeah, do it for what it, what it's meant for and then leave it. But I think your friend's totally right. And I think, I mean, I often say my biggest enemy is my ego hundred um, percent. But but when we dive into these people who are successful and feeling dead on the inside despite being at the top, it's very rarely their ego that's actually at the wheel anymore. It's this sense of what am I actually doing? And sometimes they even know what it is, but they're so afraid to make a change because they haven't done that so long. They have so much more to lose. Every, all eyes are on them, right? Like what if Ian, instead of speaking, decides to become a performance artist? And everyone goes, what happened to Ian? Oh, my God. He, like, something He's shook loose. He's a juggler loose. now. You know, like, <laughs> what, what happened? Um, but the point being is when Ian was not known, okay, 
fair enough. Ian can do anything he wanted to do. But once we reach these levels of success and notoriety and people, whether whatever that may be, if it's, you know, the eight people who work in your office, all eyes on you, there's this pressure to maintain a systematic mediocrity that is unknown, even though everyone else considers it tremendously, you know, inspirational and insightful and great work for you. It's now just the baseline of just okay. Yep. Got you it. know, and I don't know if, I don't, I don't know what kind of language you're allowed to use on your show. So you can edit this out if you like, but <laughs> to me, it's like, it's like the missionary sex of your career. It, it counts. It's not particularly memorable. Is it really worth, like, does it charge you up and make you come a, a fire? No. So, and by the way, and we can talk about that on the show. If we put associated pictures in the show notes, then we'd have a problem. <laughs> but, but discussing it, I think we're, I think we're totally fine with that. Because I think it's a metaphor that that seventy eight percent of our audience can can associate with, because yeah. we've surveyed them and asked. <laughs> the top performing salespeople and leaders you're looking to hire for your team aren't looking for a job right now. They are totally content crushing their numbers for somebody else. The folks at Peak Sales Recruiting will identify those amazing candidates and help them understand why they'd be happier working for you than for somebody else. Visit PeakSalesRecruiting.com slash Ian to learn more. What should people be doing to adapt to this and to set themselves up so that they are able to survive their successes and so they don't get in that area where knowing that they're challenge junkies that man, I need more of this. So what are some of the things they should be doing? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the extreme first. So most of us, when we get in that place, without you know reasonable guidance, we'll go to the extreme. And we'll say, okay, well, right. Uh, Richard Branson jumps out of planes. I'm going to skydive. Or that eat, pray, love woman, she went and quit everything for two months and found the passion of her life and she'd travel around. Okay, I'm going to do that. And we go to these grand kind of extremes without any understanding of what it is we're really trying to accomplish. So I'm going to dial that way back to something that people can do like today. I'm going to explain something. So I tried to figure out why it is that I could be successful and make these transformations. And even though they were challenging in the middle, do it again and again and how to keep working. And so long and short is I did some, some studying around neural processing and, and how we wire our minds up and, and then behavior. And I found something interesting, and we're gonna, I'm going to tell you about it after we do a quick exercise. Okay, I didn't ask you if I could do this. so. But we're doing it. We're, okay, right. Good. Let's do it. So if you can imagine your mind like a library, okay, and so it has all these shelves, yeah? Yep. And so if we can agree that every idea we have or, or understanding we have is our mind reaching into our, our mental memory, our mental library, and pulling something out for us, yeah? Yep. Okay. So, and then if we can agree that the faster we can do that and the, and, and the more interesting we can do that, the better ideas we have, yeah? Yep. Okay, cool. And if we want to be creative and adaptive, we have to be able to have interesting and new ideas. We can't just be pulling the same books off the shelf all the time, right? Same recipe. Okay. Okay. So what I wanted to figure out is how do you actually stock your mental shelves in a very specific and strategic way? When we're in mediocre mode, mundane, kind of default future zone, we're just pulling out the same books all the time. Same, same, same. Okay. Already mastered it, right? We're already masters. So I'm going to ask you two questions, and everyone who's listening can do this too. So don't answer out loud. Just 
Okay. Sure. So the first question is, uh, think of something that you know, something that you know well. Okay. Got it. Second question is, think of something you remember, a memory, something okay. you remember. Yeah, got it? Okay, cool. So I'm going to, now this is where I play mind reader. So I'm going to guess that the thing that you know could be taught, like you could teach it to someone else, yeah? Yep. Okay. Now the thing that you remember, um, I'm going to guess it has three tags on it, okay? One okay. is it's there's an emotion involved, like it's rage or lust or hate or fear or something, yeah? Yep. Great. Second thing is, could it be repeated the exact same way twice? Okay. Could it? No. No, exactly. And then the third is, did you share it with another human being? My, I, I, whether that was someone did it with you or you after then looked someone in the eye in the physical space of humanity, not like on Instagram or Twitter or something, and you shared that experience with that person. Absolutely. Yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So I knew that about what you thought, not She's because clairvoyant. I can... clairvoyant. My goodness. <laughs> Actually, that's my act, too. I'm quitting all this multi-million dollar stuff. I'm going to go read palms. No, but the reason that I know this is because of how we stock things on our mental shelves. And so what happens over time when we're successful is we've stocked all this great stuff. And we just keep drawing on the same, 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 expecting some revolutionary new future right? Sure. Because our minds have gone into neutral. Like, you know, when you drive home one day or the same way every single day and you get home and you go, I don't really remember making that left. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's how life is going for those people. Yeah. And I work out of my home office. You can imagine how confusing that is. (laughs) I don't really remember doing, getting my pajamas off. (laughs) Uh, But so in any event, the, the idea is how do you bring your mind to being actually present? How are you going to come to life again mentally? So you're actually even witnessing what it is that you're doing and opportunities and things and creating new ideas. Like actually have a real proper aha moment. That's not some regurgitation of something you already knew. And if we want to go totally crazy about it, we can talk about AI and the fact that anything that can be taught can be programmed. Sure. So all that stuff, all the things that I could ask you, what do you know? What do you know? What do you know? Now let's just say that's off the table. So what makes you exceptional is how you're an exception to the rule. And that's everything that you remember. That's based on things you did. And your mind had to pay attention because it couldn't be repeated the exact same way twice. It was like, pay attention to this. We got to hard copy this stuff because we're not going to get another chance to do this. And so the idea and what's worked for me and worked for people I work with is small incremental changes that have those tags to it that have some emotional tag. Now, it doesn't have to be rage and lust. You don't have to go extreme, but if that's your jam, you can. It has to be something that can be, couldn't be repeated the exact same way twice in association with that emotion. And then you have to share it with the person. So something small, an example. Um, I love coffee. I'm a huge fan. I consider myself like a minor coffee snob. Okay. And I, there's a way I like my coffee and a kind of coffee I like. Something that makes me feel really uncomfortable are hipster coffee joints where they call things, things, I don't know how to say the word, and the young guy is all way cooler than me, whatever the case. And so one of the ways that I have a practice every day of making myself slightly uncomfortable. This is how I keep my mind alive and awake. 
And so just today, I went to this hipster coffee joint I never wanted to go to, and I felt uncomfortable, and I felt out of my aspect in my league, and I asked for something not a normal thing I normally would have. And so for me, although for a lot of people, they're like, it's a coffee lady, not high risk. For me, that's actually kind of a deal. I'm putting myself in a place where I'm no longer the expert. So, and then you high five people. You're like, oh, I hate this. I yes. hate it. <laughs> totally. And so I put myself in the way of not being an expert when I'm accustomed to being an expert. Yeah. Yeah. So in a business context, so if, so if somebody is, let's say, a CEO and they've gotten their yeah. business a certain point, one of the things I often notice is that in a lot of organizations, they had a goal of, okay, we want to hit $10 million in revenue or $50 million, whatever the number is. We want right. to hit $10 million in revenue. Great. They hit $10 million. And then I see them fall into autopilot mode where yeah, autopilot. It, they could go from 10 to 50 in two years yes. if they had the same drive that they had when they were trying to get to 10. Yes. So what are some of the things that they should do? Because my guess is for that person, it may not be getting coffee, but what are, what are different ways that they can think about how to, how to re-energize themselves and how to get to that next plateau? Yeah. So what I like to start with are a person's interests. So here's, so what happens and, and that's a very common thing. Exactly. People get to 10 or 50 million or whatever the number is, and then they chill out there for a long time. And actually, usually and then they start to decline. And it's all a result of the leader and it's all a result of the leader not being alive mentally and kind of having this new 2.0. I like to start with what a person's interest is. So where do they feel like they're a master? And then put them in situations where somehow on the perimeter of that interest, they're not a master and remind them of the feeling. This is a visceral experience. Remind them of the feeling of, not being the person who knows everything that everyone looks to. Cause that's where you have to go. You have to go back to the beginning of not knowing everything. You have to, you know, you have to start at the bottom again to build the next thing. But because we're so accustomed to being at the top, we, we shy away from that experience of feeling like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So then the notion of in essence being an area where you don't have mastery is the idea that, then it helps them better recognize where they do have mastery? Or is it that now something that they weren't a master of, they've achieved? So which... which well, which... it can be both. It very much depends on the pivot they're looking to do. But the first is always beneficial. It reminds them of the sense of what it's like to not have mastery and to be in pursuit again. Okay. And, and so your mind actually starts to respond quite interestingly. It's like a drug. As soon as you're learning something new, you start to get... Uh, new connections start to be made, more blood flow, all sorts of things. And I won't get into the boring science of it, but it actually causes you physiologically to change how you engage in everything. Yeah. So not just the fact that you're like, okay, well, I'm not a master at something I might kind of be interested in. I'm going to go and be openly unmasterful at it. Like don't go to ukulele class and sit at the back and kind of pluck away. Like put your hand up and be the guy who's going to go to the front and say, uh, I'll be the person who tries that and make a total ass of yourself in front of everyone. Yeah. That's where the real learning happens. And so, you know, I use ukulele as a small little nothing, this thing. But the idea is pursue something where you are not a master to be reminded of what mastery takes yep. and how it feels. Because we haven't felt that in a long time. Sure. 
I, I get it. I, I love that. It's funny. There's I had a, a friend of mine said, "Hey, I'm thinking about taking these taking this improv class. Would you be up for that?" I'm like, "Oh, totally." Like, really? I said, "Absolutely." It's like, well, what are you trying to get out of it? I said, "Oh no, I'm just trying to try something that I haven't done." So Ian, that's the, and I'm so glad you said that because this is the, this is such a problem. So the first thing people say is, okay, so what am I going to get out of it? I'm like, no, no, you wrecked it. You've already ruined it It's because you can't, you have to actually go into these things totally open. And it's, this is a very great challenge for we CEO types, which is, you know, I have 35 minutes, give me the direct resultant outcome of this engagement. Go into something open and witness it. What are you talking about? Like I got... You know, I got to know specifically what it is I'm getting out of it. But by doing that, you presuppose an outcome. So you might as well not even do the experience. Yeah. Right. And by the way, one of the one of the things I'll do with sales teams often is we'll take a different approach to their meetings with clients. I'll say I, at this meeting, I want you to do this other thing, which is totally different. OK, right. but but if at the first interaction that doesn't work, then we'll revert back to what we used to do No, because if you do that, then. You're already you're already giving yourself permission to not do this. So let's just yeah. see where it goes and work it from that angle. And people are like, well, you know, gee, I don't know if we can do it. And it's look, you're gonna learn something from the process. So they, they always say that one of the best things you can get in any interaction is a lesson and learn mm-hmm. something. And so I love this notion of getting out of your comfort zone, getting into an area where you don't already have that mastery. And walk in with an open mind, not saying, I'm doing this and here's what I'm going to get out of it. But instead, I'm doing this and what I'm going to get out of it is the realization of something I didn't expect. Absolutely. And to you, so I'll, I'll use a concrete example that that's, I, I find kind of interesting. So Albert Einstein, right? He's a physicist. Yep. As we all know. And so I like to I like to say everyone has two languages. Yeah. So Albert Einstein spoke German or Austrian, Swiss German, I think. And then he spoke physics. Those were his two languages that he explained his experience in the world. Um, And everyone has to, for me, it may be English and business. And so we go about our lives perfecting these languages, becoming masterful in them. And what happens over time is we get we we narrow and narrow and narrow our focus to the degree to which Albert Einstein was such an amazing physicist. Only basically he could understand what he was talking about. Yep. And so you you become so great at the your second language that you have nothing left interesting to say. You're not learning any new verbs or adjectives or anything. You've narrowed your focus so greatly. So what Albert used to do when he was stuck with the problem is he'd get on his bike and go for a ride. Yeah. Again, not presupposing I'm going to come up with a theory of relativity today while I'm on my bike ride because I'm going to do this. But that's how it happened. Yeah. He witnessed a tree and a park bench and rode by it and discovered, oh, my gosh, this is the solution to this universal problem I've been sitting at my desk trying to figure out. So part of it is also allowing our minds some play space. Don't try and stick handle the damn thing all the time. Yep. You know, let it go for a run. See where it goes. That's awesome. So I want to wrap with one idea that people can really grasp onto. If you had one piece of advice, which is like, I almost hate asking the question, but I Mm. want people to start somewhere. So where's a good place for somebody to start if someone feels like they're getting stuck in that area or they're not just letting their mind run and they've always got a leash on it, what's mm-hmm. the first thing that they should think about doing that might unlock that for them? 
the, to be prescriptive, the first thing I would say to do is to look at everywhere in your day where you're not making choices, where you're just simply acting. And recognize that those are opportunities for you to change your pattern of behavior, to bring your mind to awareness, to do this 3E. So you've got emotion, uh, experience, and, and the share. Yep. And so that could be something. And this is just to get started. This is not, you know, ninja level. But this is just to start to recognize all the places where you slipped into this default setting, where you're no longer really showing up as the ambitious and driven person, you're showing up as, you know, a, a bit of a monkey on a wheel. Yeah. And by and large, if you make a list of those things, and it could be as simple as, again, I drive the same way to work. I, I do this the same. I do that the same. I didn't even, you realize how out of choice you become. And it's no wonder you feel trapped because you're not choosing anything. Yeah. And I would say that's, that's the best place to start. And then pick one. Yep. And put yourself in the way of discomfort. Some of the best ideas I've come up with are when I'm not trying to think of ideas, but when I'm just doing something that is mindless, I'm at a hockey game, I'm doing something totally different than I've done before. And all of a sudden my mind says, Hey, what about this idea? And I think, man, when I was sitting there focused, trying to come up with it, it didn't happen. No. But now I got into a different environment and all of a sudden I had 17 ideas. I believe that play is a new PhD. That's the next level of education. For those of us who've kind of got to a level, the next the next degree is learning how to let your mind wander. It's really hard. It's tremendously difficult. But if you do it prescriptively, you can stock those mental shelves so strategically that everything that you pull off it is going to have a, a new recipe, something new and interesting. Everything is just, you know, all new creations are just some kind of mom's leftover soup, right? You pulled a bunch of stuff out of the fridge and it turned out to be great and, and maybe she can't recreate it, but that, that doesn't matter. It's the new beginning. Kelsey, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and, and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, right on. They can uh, go to my website, KelseyRamsden.com, or I spend a bit of time on Instagram and Twitter and there I'm just at Kelsey Ramsden. Excellent. And we will link all that up in the show notes. So. Thanks so much, and I encourage everybody, pick something that's out of your comfort zone and give it a shot, and then report back and you know post something on Twitter and tag Kelsey and, and just, hey, I did this, and here's what happened, because I can tell you that um, I'm sure that for Kelsey, one of the most rewarding things is seeing how people take her ideas and put them to work. 100%. Thanks for having me, in. You bet. Thank you, Kelsey. It's just a pleasure talking to Kelsey. She's just a wealth of knowledge. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. Remember, everybody has that feeling of stalling or being stuck, even if the rest of the world perceives you as being on top of the world and on top of your game. So what you have to think about is, are you a challenge junkie who's just looking for new challenges? Remember, you want to think to yourself, gee, what am I doing? What am I accomplishing? And take a step back, not necessarily get caught in the details in the middle of it all. We want to think of that idea of putting different books in our bookshelf to pull different experiences. And I love that example that she gives where the things that you remember in the future have that notion of other people being involved, where it's more of an experience rather than something that you're just a master of. So take yourself out of your comfort zone to improve. 
Remember, this show gets a direction from you, the listener. So if there's a guest I should have on the show or a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.